0: What is up everybody welcome to another episode of roll for persuasion your weekly interview podcast where i chat with cool creatives and creators in the tabletop gaming nerdy world that we live in uh, lots of DD, lots of gaming lots of fun stuff lots of cool guests and We have got one of those cool guests today but before we get to him let's talk real quick about one of my newest and most favorite sponsors hero forge If you guys play any sort of tabletop game that needs awesome little figurines, Hero Forge is where it is at. And I'm not just saying that because uh, they're sponsoring, I'm saying that because I'm a a customer. Um, I've been using Hero Forge since they were, oh, I think maybe since they first came out. Let me tell you, they keep coming out with more and more awesome features. They recently dropped their Color 2.0 upgrade for the character builder. You can go on and make the character of your dreams with a ridiculous combination of species and classes and weapons and magic effects and then you can paint that character digitally and then they will actually 3d print that in color so that you don't have to paint it at home Uh, i've got a couple of them here that they sent me they are super awesome i get on here and design way too many i spend way too much time doing this so thank you to them for supporting the show and for giving us awesome awesome things to use in our DD and tabletop games make sure you check them out heroforge.com they're fantastic we are big fans. And now, without any further ado, let's get to one of those cool guests that I was talking to you guys about. Very excited to have him here. We've been chatting for a while. I appreciate his patience in getting this uh, scheduled. I'm super excited to have Joel from D&D&D on the show today. What's going on, man? Hey, hey, things are not too bad. Uh, all things considered, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, real quick, uh, give us a rundown of who you are, what you do, and kind of how how we got connected. Why are you on the show today?
1: Yeah, uh, as Andrew said, uh, I am Joel. My name is Joel Arnold. Uh, I've been a part of the podcast D&D&D, which stands for Dinner in Dungeons & Dragons, uh, for three years, over 100 episodes, and uh, the show is kind of like a dinner party, like food is a major theme, uh, but it's still... Uh, you know, an improvised, comedic, actual play, uh, kind of podcast. And I just got really interested in talking to you, Andrew, after hearing just, I love the mission of your show and hearing the different ways in which, uh, D and D and tabletop, uh, role-playing games have informed people's creativity was just so cool Uh, to me. Um, or in, in my experience, I'm relatively new. I'm only three years into, uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons, D and D and D, which we started three years ago, uh, was my first time playing, and oh, so wow. it's been really cool to kind of inch my way into the wider D and D community and see sort of what a what a rich place it is with all kinds of different uh, ways that people can express themselves through it.
0: Yeah, it's it's incredibly cool and uh, diverse space, and and I appreciate you saying that about. Um you know, the, the show, cause that is the idea. I mean, that was the idea when I started was there are so many people, um, and groups and teams doing cool things using D and D tabletop gaming in general as a platform to express themselves creatively. And, and it feels like they're more joining every day. And so it's, uh, it's exciting and a privilege to get to chat with those people and people such as yourself.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I just want to say, I also Enjoy listening to the show, not just the concept. And listeners, Andrew's silky voice is his real voice. We were talking before, and I was surprised. I was like, "It's not. It's not just what he puts on.
0: Like this is his real voice." It's, it's, it's all great. the microphone and <laughs> listening to a lot of NPR for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you. You are you are too kind. Um, that that's very cool. That the podcast D D and D, which uh, it, I keep being afraid I'm going to add three extra D's or too many n's oh, in yeah. there. But I, I think I've been <laughs> nailing this so far. Um, that it was kind of your first experience because I think a lot of people, especially right now play D and D or play whatever game they're into. And then somewhere along the way they go, Oh, you know, what if we streamed this? What if we made it a podcast? What if we shared it in some way? So what was the, what was the process for you? Um, being a part of that show and kind of how did that, how did that originate? You said going three years now, which is awesome. What was kind of the impetus for you guys to start that project?
1: Yeah, it definitely is a different route than I feel like a lot of people who are playing take where first for me it was, uh, you know, performance based. It was at a table with friends uh, that's in common with, I think, a lot of people's experiences. Uh, but it was always intended to be, you know, in in how we made it different than kind of that more casual environment. Uh, so this, this sixth group of friends, uh, we knew each other from... Uh, sort of two-thirds of the group knew each other from a YouTube channel called Practical Folks that we had created together. Uh, We did uh, comedy sketches and uh, some unscripted shows, one of them called Drunk Disney that I'm still really proud of where uh, three of my friends and uh, guests me a couple times would watch a Disney movie, play a drinking game, and kind of riff, and then we'd make that into a tightly edited uh 15 or 20 minutes and
0: which is really the secret to doing like a, like a drunk version of anything because <laughs> yes. so i've seen a lot of people try it where they're like oh you just drink a lot and watch thing no no no. we feel like we're really funny when we've been playing a drinking game but really it's more about the highlights so getting the highlights and oh, editing yeah. it down that uh the smart move
1: yeah my friends uh james chelsea and uh dave dave is not a part of the podcast but is so funny on that series Uh, They learned quickly making the show that... Drinking was not the point. Having fun was the point. And so right, like right. very much changed the, so it would not be a full shot they were taking like when they, <laughs> right. whatever, whatever game they were playing. Um, very smart. But from that, I, I, you know, I had an interest in writing and from taking, uh, improv classes, uh, you know, my friends were out here making that, uh, for a little bit until I got out to LA, but I was in New York mm-hmm. and working in uh, film and television there and, Uh, taking improv classes at UCB and then out here and I got more interested in performing. So when we were kind of winding down practical folks, we wanted to find something else to do together. And the host of D&D and D James Gressel, he was uh, excited about the idea of putting together Food, one of his passions, and Dungeons and Dragons, which is something that he had played since he was in like middle school. Okay, and it, it was also a way because uh, some of my friends had gotten kind of so busy. Um, my friends James and Chelsea, they run a, a horror channel on their uh, on YouTube, and they dead means, guess, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they just gotten so busy that Gressel uh, was kind of thinking. Okay, I need an excuse to be able to have a regular appointment to see with them and so if we make something of it, I'll right. definitely
0: It's funny <laughs> make how many design. people say that. They were like, well, half the reason was so that we had like a very scheduled excuse to hang out and do something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we've always had fun like riffing together. Uh so this was like a great chance to blend all of these things like friendship and food and like fun role playing uh and it it started from there with us uh, most of us never having played D and D before, or just played like a couple of games mm-hmm. here and there. And then uh, our friends, Beth and Mike joined and they also hadn't played, but they had already, uh, you know, like performance and comedy sensibilities sure. that worked kind of just perfectly. And, and Russell was great about like encouraging us in a direction where we could use the tools of D and D to uh, do all the the bits and storytelling that we would enjoy doing,
0: and and I think that's that's kind of where I tend to enjoy shows the most are ones that recognize D and D or tabletop games as catalysts for that, right? Enabling bits essentially, like like using it as a framework to move you from humorous moment to humorous moment, set up your scene, um, kind of all the the improv things you need, so. So I think it's always fun when people take that approach. For people who haven't listened uh, to your show yet, and and everybody should, we'll put a link in the show notes. Definitely go check mm-hmm. it out. How does the, the dinner party aspect come to play? Because so many so many shows have their kind of like thematic element or whatever they try and do to set them apart. And it's typically a setting, right? It's like, oh, we are th- these kind of people in this kind of place and that is, that's our shtick. But the idea of, of making it like dinner party centric or food centric, how does it actually work in a show, and how does that work for three years without getting stale? No pun intended?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's still it's still pretty fresh, pretty tasty. Uh, the way it worked in the beginning is different than, well, certainly the way it works now, so <laughs> because what was so great about playing is that we would go over to Gressel's apartment when it was the before times and he would cook us a meal that was either themed to the action of the story that we would be engaging in that day that quest or it would be as it's kind of grown more into or organically in the story it would be based on the cuisine of the place that we're going to or the natural uh the, the resources available that inform uh, the cooking and the culture of a place. So in our third season, uh, we journeyed to uh, these mm-hmm. islands called Oyakodo. And Oyakodon is a dish that's uh, literally like mother and child. like uh, It's like chicken and egg. And We've just been deprived of all of this Japanese-inspired cooking that Grussel had been so excited to to feed us th- like throughout this season. Yeah, um, which is sad. Uh, but but in the beginning, it was the the concept was a little bit less. Uh, it, it was a little more forced, and we were trying to figure out ways in which we could uh, implement food. You know, we were, we would sort of be eating not during, but like before the recording. Um, so there's that like just good vibe of eating food with friends and uh you know talking about how you are and then we get to the role playing um but i think early on it was it was less kind of integral and over mm-hmm. time we figured out like mechanics where uh food would be more integral to the story and if we went to a place uh which you know i think russell's good about letting us kind of play in the world that he's created mm-hmm. and True. we would get to choose where we would go like okay this place probably has more english inspired cooking this place has more uh you know uh, a danish or norwegian inspired cooking
0: that's very cool and and i think and i was talking about this recently with uh kyle newman who was on the show um oh a month ago or so i don't know and he has a book coming up uh the official dungeons and dragons cookbook heroes mm. feast um which is which is taking that idea and saying okay you know what regions of uh the forgotten realms in this in this instance would have these kinds of foods and like what makes sense for a culture um but we were talking about this idea that more than many other things like D has this opportunity to incorporate food in very cool ways like when you go to somebody's house for the super bowl like sure you're gonna have like nachos or burgers or you're just gonna have like party hangout food food is part of that but the kind of food is is less of a thing but like when you're doing a dnd session and y'all are into it like we my my campaign is in straw right now and we had a you know the dinner with the vampire, and so it was. Everything was like blood and red themed, and like
1: you know, mm. thematic.
0: And and there's just something about using the the two tools of food, one of which is to bring people together, um, which kind of goes hand in hand with what D and D is doing, and really to then telling a story and bringing you into a moment. This it's just super cool, and it's a really fun kind of marriage. When you lean into it, it can really uh, elevate the fun you're having with your friends.
1: Yeah, and it, it brings in this, uh, you know, it, it engages another sense, mm-hmm, essentially, yeah. because we're we're working in, like, the theater of the mind, especially with a podcast where we're trying to convey uh, this story, and especially when we can't now be in the same room, I think uh, being able to, like, being able to talk even about the food, uh, let, let alone being able to eat it. Like, we we would just kind of tease Gressel in this third season uh, when it got into COVID times where we would say like, well, what would you have made for us? Like describe it for us. <laughs> and I yeah. think, uh, you know, whether it's a description or or the actuality of food, I mean, I, I prefer, I prefer eating as food than talking about it, but, uh, it would just bring you closer to the experience of being in that world. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool to be able to kind of role play and create something imaginary, but, feel a little bit more like you're really in it
0: absolutely so what has the experience been like then doing a podcast because i always enjoy talking with podcasters because it's such an interesting and unique and still very kind of wild west-esque sort of uh landscape if if you're producing a podcast i feel like youtube is, is pretty well defined at this point and there, you know, lots of certain strategies and Mm -hmm. numbers and advertising and all the stuff you can do, but, but podcasts and growing a podcast from scratch, um, it just takes a lot of, uh, kind of guesswork. I feel like at the beginning for a lot of people, there's not like a defined framework of how to be successful. So what has, has growing the show been like over the last three years?
1: It's been uh, a really interesting experience and I feel like, yeah, now's a really good time to Kind of consider that because I don't think we expected when uh we were starting to make the show. You know, we went six months to a year before we actually released episodes in which we were kind of recording to, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, give us kind of lead time and and Just very smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I heard a recent episode where you were saying like, yeah, I want to have two months banked, and now it's become like down to two weeks or one week, and <laughs> it's hard to keep up. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think we experienced the same thing. Um, My friend, uh, James Gressel, he was, yeah, very invested in, um, making something that he felt would live up to, uh, his kind of points of inspiration. One of which being was like, uh, the adventure zone. And he really wanted to have something that was like, well-produced, good sound quality, tightly edited. And when we went to launch it, we were trying to figure out like, okay, how can we grow the podcast? Because we will be happy if like a hundred people listen because we're just having fun doing right. it but i think at a certain point if people weren't invested and if a community hadn't grown around the show that we wouldn't keep doing it for sure, 100 yeah. episodes and yeah well, it, it was interesting i i had an interest in audio and uh podcasting personally uh several years ago um well before this i interned at uh national public radio and later oh at, yeah uh, mid media, which is yep. sort of the parent company of earwolf. And those experiences were very cool. But in terms of like the nitty gritty of podcasting, I learned the most, uh, doing this, like figuring out from scratch, okay, right. how can we yeah. produce something that sounds good without taking up 90% of our time? Because we still want to be you know, it's not something that makes money necessarily. So it's a hobby that we want to enjoy. How can it not be something that we hate doing because we are spending so much time on it? Right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And it was a matter of figuring out like, okay, we, you know, we started working, I think in Audacity as a program and eventually moved over to Audition when we figured out like, okay, some of these things we're doing manually, we can do by automatic processes. But even three years in, we just figured out how to apply effects in like the multi-track as opposed to doing more uh oh
0: really yeah
1: like destructive editing yeah uh we would be applying effects that way and now so we would be like, like opening up a yeah. single
0: wave file and like yes. this, okay right.
1: yeah and it worked for us but sure. it was it, it the impetus was that it was taking too much time yeah. um yeah and i was feeling that but uh yeah I, I think what was what was cool about growing the show is that we uh, it feels like we cheated a little bit because we had from Practical Folks, that YouTube channel, we had a little bit of a base where sure. people had found us there and liked what we did and we were willing to give the the show a shot. So we had that, but I think they wouldn't have stayed with us if it wasn't something good and wasn't something that, you know, I'm proud of. Yeah. Uh, so it was nice that we had that little boost. And then from there, uh, word of mouth seemed to be the best way that we could grow by fan like you know, kind of asking fans to spread the word a little bit and me even at times just like searching on Twitter, like looking for new podcasts and like replying at people, be like, hey, right. do you like D? You might like this one. Um so for a little while I was very targeted and direct and working from like a small scale. And then yeah, it's it's grown in a way where once we got our, you know, we we got our first fan art like the, two years ago and i was like this is incredible this is amazing and now to to see that kind of regularly happen is still kind of wild yeah and i don't fully understand i feel like it's hard to replicate the success of a podcast make a successful podcast make a podcast people like and then we'll find and listen to regularly uh because there's so many that are small and deserve more listeners. Right. But I'm just, I guess, happy and lucky that uh, people have found us a little bit.
0: And what is that experience of... I feel like there's not a way to say this without like sounding weird, <laughs> but like, what is the experience of like having the community? And in the sense of like, like people who maybe you've never met before, probably haven't met before, who choose to dedicate X amount of time every week or, or whatever your release schedule might be to listening to you, and talking to you. My show's a year old, so I'm just kind of now kind of getting a taste of that. And it's still kind oh, of yeah. like... Oh, yeah. I
1: was going to say congrats yeah, on a
0: year. <laughs> as, of, uh, as of when we're recording this, uh, like in a week, like a week from tomorrow, um, which is pretty cool. We Pulled it off one year. And, yeah. Um, but, but what is that like? like, like knowing, does it affect how you play? Does it like, is it in your head at all? Like, oh, you know what? People are listening and have expectations or we don't want to let people down or um, d- does it impact you in any way?
1: Yeah, I think that once we started getting a little bit of a response, uh, I was the social media manager for D&D and D up until uh, kind of a few weeks ago. Actually, I retired my character and it felt like kind of the right time to move on from the show. And I'm trying to explore more into the D&D space and and work on uh, different uh, podcast projects. But uh, I'll definitely miss um, being sort of the first uh, line of, of seeing all the interactions. Sure, that, yeah we were having cuz it, it's hugely validating i think to have people like engage with something that you've kind of poured so much time and energy and creativity into and uh say that they like it and you know i i think there's a way in which uh you could kind of o- overdose on that be like just give me all of that serotonin and right. dopamine yeah. um but uh yeah, it it was just really encouraging to, uh, especially for people to like see the the story we were telling and like really connect with moments that we thought were also so funny and it's like you know when I listen to a good podcast uh that I enjoy like feeling the chemistry of the hosts uh is like you feel like you're in on a joke and and part of something and to see people do that with ours and then I think the best thing has been not just like receiving compliments and praise, but uh, seeing the people who liked our show connect with each other. Like they started a subreddit, they started a discord. And uh, I, I think our, our fans are particularly uh, just awesome that like a lot of them are like young and queer and just so affirming and encouraging of each other. Like I'll pop into the discord just like, to get like the parent of the slumber party just like see what's going on right yeah. and uh yeah they're just so kind of kind and uh just nice to each other and then i i yeah it's, it's I, I would love to take a little bit of credit to be like i hope we inspire or like encourage and gender like some of that like we attract those people yeah and that's just super cool that, yeah, yeah i can't say enough about it, that, that about that's the experience of like cool yeah yeah and I feel like I feel like I've learned from them, too, in terms of like making the show um, to answer that question. Yeah, I think uh, I like took a risk in making uh, a like a choice for my character. My character is uh, or a regular part of the show now, uh, but I'll like pop in from time to time. Um, he's a uh, ranger. Um, we somehow ended up with two rangers on the show. <laughs> Okay. One of the least popular <laughs> classes as it turned out. I knew nothing going in, so I chose well, a At least at
0: least all of the terrain was your favorite. Like that yeah, helps. That's right. I think I think we both liked Forest and we're like, great. <laughs> You're like, what if we didn't go into the city, guys? What if we just camped
1: more? Right? Yeah. I think that was a question times where it's like, I don't know, cities, mm, what? I wanna leave. <laughs> um, but my character like is a like a kind of you know, awkward uh started out at least like re- revenge hungry um milk loving because he, he came from like a dairy uh like a very much dairy based culture um to see like people respond to that character that i sort of intended to be off-putting in the beginning was was cool but i think people's investments in seeing uh him kind of change over time
0: mm-hmm.
1: was really like encouraging to be like, okay, people kind of see what I'm trying to do with this character. And then they like it. Right. <laughs> I, I had made a choice um, early on that uh, turned out not how I expected. Um, basically I was operating as like a player, pretty new to D and D and kind of being influenced by more um like binary good and evil stories uh, like lord of the rings like star wars uh i was very much thinking like okay tolkien tolkien's world orcs are bad so in my you know grim dark tragic backstory that i created for uh juno my character um i thought like okay he his family his kingdom were wiped out by orcs in a savage <laughs> um, just uh genocide just all and, the tropes like every yeah. trope yeah. yeah and so he was like out for revenge but uh what i didn't realize was uh my, my dm was telling a different kind of story he was telling a story with more you know grays and he wasn't kind of down with the uh maybe what's built into the origins of DD, but not essential is like that like oh a race can be characterized as bad or evil right right and like what was cool was meeting a half orc character and seeing the way uh the npc (laughs) reacted to my character like you know drawing swords and and the other player characters being like whoa you're racist (laughs) Right. Uh, was, was cool because I realized, like, well, I've made this choice and now what do I do with that? And it was then it was cool because it, it led to the opportunity of taking the character on a journey to understand better and have better empathy for people not like him. Yeah. And then kind of see where that would where that journey would take the character from there emotionally. And yeah, that was something I would never have expected, I think, because fans responded to that that i was like okay we'll keep going with it
0: that's pretty cool to to kind of have that you know external validation to one degree or another of like oh okay this isn't ridiculous what i'm thinking up or this isn't you know something that only plays to me like this resonates with people like it's it's safe in a way to to keep telling this story i know other people are are going through it with me if you will
1: yeah oh and and i think i started out the the answer trying to think of one thing and sort of led to another but uh what was also really um, I guess, personally encouraging. Um, I chose Juno uh, to... I, I wanted some kind of, you know, representation that was queer in the story. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make Juno uh, bi. And at the time, I was thinking, like, maybe I'm bi. And this is a choice that allow me can allow me to explore, to like, try on the yeah. shoe, see how it fits. And, you know, only recently did I... Like, um, like on Twitter, come out as not straight. Uh, And I think it was partially because I was seeing uh, people respond to, like fans respond to having that character uh, be who he is and and express himself that way that I was like, oh, this is actually like encouraging to people. And uh, well, why not have it be encouraging to me? So it was sort of like a really nice loop of encouragement and I was like, okay, yeah, this is important. This is good. Like people accepted this character I made for who he is. Like yeah. people would accept me. And and yeah, that was uh really meaningful.
0: That's super awesome. I, I think that is like that's one of the best things that playing games can do. I think hmm. give you space to explore parts of yourself that you maybe don't feel safe to or that you're unsure about. Um, and kind of give you a framework to to like okay like let me see how this goes not not even on a podcast but even just in like in playing it right like what would it be like if this part of me got to you know step forward a bit more um, or you know a part of me that's been afraid or hurt or or you know that I haven't felt willing to share like what if that kind of got to play a bit you know um, and and I think with the right group of friends it can be a very just it can be very safe and uh, just a great way to of learn more about yourself and so that, that's awesome that you not only got to do that in the game but then with encouragement from people who were seeing and connecting and and sharing that story with you
1: yeah i i only recently heard um your interview with megan connell and i think it just yeah uh, uh yeah definitely recommend checking that one out but um i think that just even expanded my mind further as to the power of role-playing and that it could be used as a tool in, uh, you know, processing, uh, you know, therapeutically, um, things that we're going through or, you know, identities that we want to explore parts of ourselves that we want to try on. Uh, yeah, I think that's just so cool and kind of, yeah, opened up an idea of like, wow, this, this is such, uh, an innovative and, and really healthy thing. That's exciting. That's becoming so mainstream.
0: Yeah. Well, let's take a real quick second. I want to give a shout out to uh, another one of my sponsors, um, Awesome People, AwesomeDice.com. They make uh, awesome dice. Um, I I hope that surprises you guys every time I tell you, but they do, in fact, make awesome, awesome dice. They have awesome colors and uh, just cool new designs coming out all the time, and they support the show. If you go to AwesomeDice.com and use the code RollPersuasion at checkout, that will save you 10% on your order, and it will help make this show happen, which I appreciate but I love supporting small businesses in the community. That was kind of the impetus to starting the show in the first place was telling the stories of those small companies. AwesomeDice.com is one of them. So if you like what I do and you like the guests on the show, definitely go check them out because they're part of what makes this show happen. AwesomeDice.com. Use the code Roll Persuasion. Links are in the uh, show notes as well. And you can go to Roll Persu- RollForPersuasion.com as well to see links and all that info there too. So let's jump back in. Because you mentioned, and this is kind of a, it, it's, it's kind of funny because I think you first emailed me, uh, we're recording this kind of early October, um, you first emailed me back in July oh. and, and you have been the most patient and like kind and understanding person because you kind of emailed me right at a point in my life where like everything in my world was kind of like going crazy between yeah. like work and, and, you know, COVID and all that stuff. Um, so one, thank you. Thank you for being so patient. I'm glad oh, we finally got to talk. Of course. But uh, at that time, I and maybe you had already decided then. But at that time, um, you had not actually kind of ended your character story arc on the podcast. And now, very recently, like you said, you have. And you know, you've you've moved away from managing the social media, and you've kind of got new things in front of you. What what does the uh, the next year, or whatever, look like for for you? Do you have projects that you're working on, or the things that you're excited to try that you haven't yet? What's the uh, what's the next you know step? Yeah. It, it is exciting because I don't quite know.
1: I mean, I think a lot of people are thinking uh, about the future in ways they maybe didn't expect before with, right. with COVID yeah. and kind of pivoting what they're doing. I didn't think I would necessarily be uh, leaving Los Angeles for a while. I'm like, maybe that's in my future a year from now. I don't quite know yet. But I what I did figure out uh, while kind of winding down Juno, it, it was interesting because uh, as a um. I tend to be like a little bit perfectionistic and wanting to like know all of the, uh, the possible consequences or outcomes of a choice before I make, it. I want to feel sure. like super, yeah. super ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so with, uh, with kind of seeing that Juno went from a bloodthirsty orc hunting ranger in season one to multiclassing as a cleric in season three and, uh, kind of, wanting to be more subtle in one place and work with a community, uh, he eventually decides that he's going to stay in the city that's kind of become the team's de facto home when they're not out uh, on this larger quest. And he's going to work with the homeless population there that he has a connection to. It was seeing that, like, seeing how I could like make that decision and all these other things would open up that i was mm-hmm. like oh yeah i can make more decisions <laughs> yeah in my um in my life i think as as something uh i guess as a you know another tool or or something that D D gives you i think what i like about role-playing is that it brings you into the present and takes me like out of my head and sure and you're you know you're making uh decisions for the character in the moment and that's like risky but uh very cool because then it's just done and you can handle what's next, and I think right yeah. uh, for me, I was like, okay, I want to make some some you know big moves, and uh, that's going to be uh well <laughs> uh, but before this, I had started a podcast all about the movie cats um, okay. 2019s cats yeah. very niche um, so I'm still working on that, and I'm excited about that. Uh, it is not for everyone, but if you have an interest in the movie having seen it or you just like want to know what it's about it might be for you so i'm still doing that and i think that's just for fun but yeah yeah i i want to get to know more folks in the D and tabletop role-playing uh community and see if i can you know try and out a new character uh, maybe guest on some shows and another thing i'm really excited about is like you were saying kind of D was built from the ground up and I learned a lot of the social media managing also editing and, and, and mixing skills that I, uh, you have now from doing that. And I want to, you know, I'm trying to maybe go a little bit freelance work for yeah. other shows, mixing it at them, uh, consult, especially since I want to like impart the knowledge I gained that I just yeah, didn't yeah. have, uh, you know, work with smaller new shows and, uh, see if I can give any, technical or or maybe even creative advice and uh yeah i think movies are, are generally a place where i want to move into more in the the podcasting space i used to work as a uh freelance uh arts journalist writing for uh what's now vulture comedy and npr.org and i'd love to do more in the arts coverage space
0: yeah that's really that's really awesome and it, it's funny like And again you know talking about podcasting how there are so many things when you do a show especially if it's by yourself or a small team that you just kind of have to learn especially if you you know if if you're doing like a hobby show where you're like we record and we put it out and you know we're just doing it for fun um that's one thing and and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but if you were like doing it in with the intention of how can we make this uh, successful or grow Mm -hmm. it or get it in front of people kind of forced if you don't have a background in it to learn a lot of things like not just editing right like audio editing sure um you know maybe web development maybe some seo like marketing networking all of this stuff and so then suddenly you look back you know in your case three years later and you're like wow i know a lot like i i've learned and figured yeah. out a lot like do <laughs> I-, I know everything no probably not but there are plenty of people kind of like you mentioned who are just starting who don't have three years of background right and who don't kind of have some of the information you could provide, and so it, it's cool to have a, a hobby or a side thing or whatever you want to call it that can help you learn so much. Or that can be so educational. That's one of my favorite things about doing this show for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that th- things that you might not even be inclined towards. I wasn't a big uh, social media person. Uh, if you if you do it enough, uh, you can start to really like see the value i i I didn't expect to form uh friendships or uh have some of the really just uh yeah like heartwarming moments uh, i mentioned from uh people i'm interacting with on twitter and yeah not only are you um getting skills but you're also seeing the the value in in some of these things that you might not have tried to otherwise
0: yeah it's such a such a fun space and so many great relationships to be made with other people who are also Learning and growing and trying new things and figuring it out, which then you know when you decide to move on to whatever your next thing is, then you've got people to reach out to and to work with and network with. So it, it's yeah. certainly very cool. As a as a player, um, someone who you know hadn't played before, what did you have any expectations before you played of like what you thought D and D would be that turned out to either be completely true or, or just way off base? Were you surprised by anything once you started playing regularly? Oh,
1: yeah. I thought there was going to be so much more math and numbers involved than there actually was. I think that was a piece of it that was like intimidating. And I I was scared of all the rules I didn't know. Uh, And it turned out really to not be the case. Um, And maybe that's just because I've, you know, pretty much had one dm i've played with and he has made it really easy uh my friend kressel is really good at being able to point us in the direction of of you know what to look up uh and sort of how to execute something technically right and give us the freedom to just kind of play and and that was really encouraging and i think actually now you know i I don't think that's just our game i think uh, any good game you have the freedom to like role play and make silly choices and then figure out how the game can work for you. And that, that was a cool discovery because, uh, if if a barrier to entry for anyone would be, uh, like, I'm not super familiar with D and D like what? Yeah, you don't need to, whatever you bring as you like, that's enough. That's, that's good. And what, whatever is inside of you that speaks to, uh, that speaks to you about what's exciting. What's, what's fun in in our game. We have a a saying called like, do what's fun. And that doesn't have to be like following all the rules meticulously. Yeah. It's making choices and doing kind of what, what you want to do and, and seeing how the tools can work for you.
0: Have you, uh, you know, in your growth as a player, like, um, or, or maybe even let me rephrase this question. Did you ever at any point in your life, uh, like oh i'm gonna end up being somebody like a dnd guy does that make sense like like oh that's the kind of nerdy i'm gonna eventually be like do you think uh, <laughs> yeah. you know joel from 10 years ago would have laughed at the idea that you would you know be regularly playing dungeons and dragons like all the time
1: yeah i i recently i was as i'm now intentionally trying to kind of really get to know more of this exciting community i was thinking like oh do i still have some some biases some some previously held uh and unfounded stigma around D&D because I think I did going into it where I liked improv I liked certain D&D podcasts but I think the image I had of D&D was influenced maybe by uh you know depictions like in the 90s or 2000s of like men huddled in basements or uh like satanic panic stuff and right, yeah getting to I think entering into it and actually seeing like how, uh, diverse the community is, uh, yeah, that it, I, I think if I was looking at me like five years ago and and saying like, okay, oh, you're going to be a and guy now would have been like, mm, what is that? What kind of choice is that? But now it's just like, <laughs> no, this is great. And yeah. it's like, I would tell myself my younger self, like, no, 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 you don't know what it is. It's really cool. And uh, affirming, and a, and a really like sweet, nice kind of space, and not like, uh, you know, gatekeeping anything like that. It's yeah, it, it can be really great.
0: Yeah, that's super cool, man. I'm I'm really excited for for you and not just the journey kind of you've come on with D and D and D, but where that's kind of set you up and, and what you have in front of you. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh whatever it is you do next.
1: Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs>
0: And so, you know, in the interim, let's go ahead and tell people where they can find, uh, find D&D and D if they want to listen to old episodes that, that um, you guys started or new stuff coming up. How can they check out that show if they want to get started?
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the things that's really exciting right now is that uh, D&D and D just became a Spotify exclusive. Like, they're investing in the show. They like Whoa. it so much. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You can find it on Spotify. Uh, all 100 plus episodes and the fourth season is going to start at the end of October. That is super
0: cool. Yeah. Spotify is going hard, like for podcasts. So that's, (laughs) that's awesome that you guys are, uh, (laughs) that's pretty great. That's got to be pretty awesome. So check out the show there and we'll drop a link to the Spotify page in the show notes. And then where can people, uh, follow you if they want to interact with you on social media or or keep up with what you're doing, where can they check you out?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Joel K Arnold and, uh, just made a website finally for myself, Joel K Arnold.com and uh I have their links to uh D D, but also uh Ineffable, which is the cats podcast I do all about the motion picture of 2019, Cats, the most deranged and off-putting, but also fascinating movie. Um I'm gonna and have to check
0: this out. Both yeah. the movie and your show. <laughs>
1: it's a singular experience. I can't guarantee it's going to be your cup of tea, but you will never see anything like it. Fair. Um, and yeah. And, and if anyone, yeah, if you are, uh, uh, someone who's like starting in the podcasting space and you have a, a an idea for a show or you're just starting out with a, a D and D and d group and <laughs> I add too many D's, a D and D group. <laughs> and, uh, you're thinking like, maybe I want to make it into a podcast. Like I'd love to talk to you. Um, and yeah, you can reach out to me on, on Twitter. Uh, give me a DM if you're curious and I might be able
0: to impart some advice. awesome. Well, for sure. And like I said, we'll have links to all that in the below so that you guys can check out Joel. Uh, Thanks so much, man, for joining. Um, You're going to stick around for a bit, as those of you who listen to my show know, if you are a supporter at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion, you get access in your exclusive backer feed to the Zone of Truth segments that I do with my guests where we chat about really anything. I tell them, I tell my guests anything that isn't D&D and or the thing that brought them on the show. So we love talking about role playing. We love talking about gaming, um, but there's always some sort of cool hobby people have that I love hearing about. So Joel, have, have you thought of anything that is, uh, is something you're into or something that you enjoy? Um, I can, I can keep riffing. as you look around the room, <laughs>
1: uh, I was literally you- looking around the room for like, is there something here that's going to tell me what I like? <laughs> and no, what I wrote down when you, when you uh, mentioned the segment, cause I, I, I forgot about it. I was also like, okay, what are my interests? My cat. Movies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no movies. Let's talk about, let's yeah, talk about movies because yeah. you've mentioned I love I love movies. I love talking with my guests about movies. So um, that's what we're going to do on today's Zone of Truth segment brought to you by Smuggler's Coffee. Cool. If you are a Patreon supporter, patreon.com slash rule for persuasion. You too can get access not just to Joel's episode, but to all prior episodes with the Zone of Truth segment, which at this point goes back like six or seven months and uh, all the future ones. So definitely think about supporting the show there and uh yeah we'll stick around and we will talk about movies and that should be fun but until next time guys i'm very excited uh with some stuff coming up keep an ear out i think we're going to be doing some sort of special birthday anniversary i don't know what you call the the one year whatever of a podcast but the uh the one-year celebration of the show and all the cool things I've gotten to do with it. Um, I'll be putting stuff about that out on Twitter and whatnot, so keep an eye out probably here in the next couple of weeks. I think we'll do some sort of really cool live stream. We'll see how it goes. But uh, that is it, guys. That has been the show. Make sure you check out RollForPersuasion.com if you want to get in touch with me at RollPersuasion on the social medias. And until next time, guys, enjoy your games.